Dan and Corey here, welcoming you into Libservative. The great fundamental issue now before our people. Yeah, welcome in to another rousing rendition of Libservative Intellectual Idiots Fostering Political and Cultural Literacy. Bell the Body Snatcher on the ones and twos. And he, as always, is Corey Walsh. Hi, and he's Dan Griffin. Sometimes I forget to say that back, Dan, and I apologize. You really do. You gotta, I, I, I got to tighten the ship up. I got to tighten up this ship. I'm sorry. I've been slacking. I was drunk last week. I got my parents in town. <laughs> That's why you were drunk? Well, last week or this week? Because this week I'm not that drunk. <laughs> As drunk. Comparatively. I was just, I just thought maybe you tend to forget my name. Like, Bell forgets the, the day of the week. Which is how, well, how am I going to forget your name? It's you conveniently put it below you because I might if you didn't. I'm still here though. He's here. <laughs> he forgot his hat. He thought it was Tuesday. He thought we were doing a show prep meeting. Did not realize we were going live with a show this evening. So I want all the people listening at home to know or watching at home to know that this is a litmus test for Bell the Body Snatcher because he's doing all this shit live tonight. He is. He's a live boy. So we're gonna we are gonna find out we are gonna find out just how good of a pro of a of a producer Bell the Body Snatcher is on a on a wonderful Wednesday. All right, and I got care? two things to take care of real quick. Uh oh. The sort of podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is libservativeshow.com. We can be found at Libservative on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at LibservativePod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at LibservativePod at gmail.com. Subscribe today. That and Dan, you know what's next. You know what's, what's coming. Oh, shit. Wait. Good. Good. I always fuck the words up. Go blue! Go blue! Go blue! Yeah. I had to change my hat. I had to change my hat just because you played that. I had to change my hat. Now that what we've lost all, all of the Ohio listeners, as if we needed them in the first place, uh, here we uh. are. Ready to talk nah. about ready, ready for a little bit of real talk. This is not a sports <coughs> podcast, but uh, I just had to get that out of the way. I, I do you feel better? Yeah, we had a three peat. Yeah, very, very satisfying victory. Yeah, crying after like day. Eight years of crying day. What's his <laughs> what are, what are his, crying? What are his excuses going to be uh, this time? Uh, yeah, so uh, coming up on tonight's show, uh, the biggest topic for sure that we will get to tonight is going to be uh, Michael Schellenberger's actually not his latest piece anymore because uh, he's since come out with a new one today that we have not had a chance to uh, read yet. 
uh, about the uh, Cyber Threat Intelligence League, which essentially points out that uh, Michael Schellenberger's idea of a, what does he call it, a censorship industrial complex mm-hmm. may in fact be real and very real. It's, it's, kind of the, it's kind of the missing link to the Twitter files that he discussed uh, with Congress, what was it, back in May? I don't remember when exactly that was, but we all remember this. When yeah, him and Taibbi, and then yeah. the Puerto Rican representative, I forget her name. This hat is too fucking tight. I got to take it off. But uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they were in there talking about, like, it's, it's so frustrating, right? Like, they weren't in there with any sort of agenda of a left or right type of ideology. They were in there to propagate the feet of the freedoms of the American people and how the government is encroaching on those rights that we are protected by the constitution and the Puerto Rican representative just straight up fucking just tried to just demonize them. And oh, oh, when, when they were called, when they were called so-called journalists, when she called them so-called journalists. Yeah. That? When they're like uh Pulitzer prize winning journalists and things like that. With, yeah, absolutely outstanding, wonderful, beautiful, long-running, long-standing credentials. I mean, for fuck's sake, Matt Taibbi was the uh, w- w- what was his title? I forget at Rolling Stone, but he was like the 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 political czar. I can't remember the name of his title, but he, he had Hunter S. Thompson's old job. That yeah. was his job. So he had big yeah. shoes to fill, and he definitely filled them. Um, yeah, so uh, Michael Schellenberger and Racket and what's what's Schellenberger? I always they always run together. Schellenberger, oh, uh, public, um, basically putting a uh, an exclamation point, or I, I should say they're in the middle of putting an exclamation point on what were the Twitter files from la- from earlier this year uh, yep. with this with this stuff from 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 the CTIL. We're we're going to go through all of that. We have once again free speech and the fact that no political faction actually gives a shit about free speech, which Not could honestly, could honestly tie in to the, uh, the CTIL files, uh, anyway. Um, and we have, and then I also cannot- the other thing that I have, we don't have a banner for it, but, uh, how this whole censorship thing and how extensive it is on certain things on social media, but then other things that give the conspiracy nut jobs, any sort of credence, uh, legs to stand on with the uh, and Instagram and we can't forget about the fact that we are sitting here on November 29th 2023 and we are still in this era of like Trump is literal Hitler but guess what <laughs> no he's worse guess what exactly uh, Claire McCaskill openly openly saying in context we will play it for you here on the show Corey walsh has it uh somewhere in his uh little little note portion there claire mccaskill actually suggesting that trump is worse than hitler do i have to give the disclaimer yes i do because we have new listeners all the time and uh i will say this i am no fan of donald trump Corey no, is no like fan him. of donald trump <laughs> bell is no fan of donald trump however when you sit here and you make these audacious claims, you give this man more power. And that has been proven time and time and time and time again since 2016. So we'll we'll dive into that. Uh, but first, I kind of wanted to start with something that is 
uh, actually sports related, but also uh, really kind of ties into the, I guess, the, the, the psychology of today's politics and culture discourse. I watched a fantastic documentary uh, on Amazon Prime, being a Detroiter. I watched a, a documentary called Bye Bye Barry. This was uh, this came out, I think, just before Thanksgiving, which is fitting because Detroit is known for having its annual Thanksgiving Day football game uh, every year. Uh, we started it. We are responsible for that tradition, America. You're welcome. Uh, and for those who don't know, Bye Bye Barry is a documentary about the whom I who, somebody who I think is the single greatest running back to ever live, Barry Sanders. Uh, widely regarded as maybe the only like reason to even pay attention to Detroit football, perhaps over the last like over the entire nineties years, uh, 50 years, 60 years at least. Um, and though we had Stafford for those who did. Okay. For those, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding with you, man. For those who don't remember, and if you're not a sports fan, I wouldn't expect you to believe me. This is going to tie into culture and politics. Just give me a second. Uh, Barry Sanders like retired very, very suddenly right before training camp in 1999, and I believe the age of 30. Maybe he was 31. I don't remember exactly. But, um, a, a guy who hadn't taken a lot of hits was was very, very healthy throughout his career. Um, had a, had a had a not not just a chance. He would have broken. Um, Walter Payton's all-time rushing record at the time, which has now since been broken by Emmett Smith. Uh, he would have broken this had he decided to continue to play. And he just suddenly walks away. He walks away from the game. He doesn't hold a press conference. He faxes the team the day before training camp. He faxes the Detroit Lions saying that he's he's done. He's walking away. He's retiring. And he takes off to London because Barry Sanders is the kind of guy who doesn't really like to be in the spotlight. He never really liked dealing with the media. He never really liked doing interviews. And he knew that if he retires the day before training camp, there's going to be reporters all, all over his ass uh, the, the entire time. And so ever since that day, Detroit football fans have been very, uh, they've always been trying to figure out why. Why would this man walk away? Why would this man walk away at the height of his career, at the height of his talents, with a chance to break Walter Payton's record, you know, with a chance to maybe carry this team to some uh, a playoff win or whatever? And there's lots of theories as to why there was never a good team around him, um, and and so th th there was that, and then there was th there was various various theories going around as to why Barry Sanders would walk away. So this is kind of where it ties into politics and culture. Um, in this documentary. I'll give I'll give this spoiler away. I still recommend you 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 watch it. It's not that big of a spoiler. But at the end of the documentary, Barry Sanders today takes I think I can't remember if it's his three or his four sons, and he goes to London, a fitting place to go with his sons, considering that's the place he went when he faxed his retirement uh all these years ago. And the way that the documentary did this was absolutely fantastic because it was trying to answer the question, why, why, why did you walk away when you did, Barry Sanders? This has never been a question that he's answered. And they have his sons essentially interview him about this. I thought this was fucking brilliant. And 
essentially all Barry Sanders says, I mean, there's more to it than this, so I recommend you watch it. But essentially what he says is like, it was just my time to walk away. It just felt right for me to walk away. And it's, that's, that's always been one of the explanations for why Barry Sanders would walk away from football. Like maybe he was just ready to do it. And then people go, oh, it doesn't make any sense. He was going to break Walter Payton's record. He was going to set all this stuff. And like, if you just follow Barry Sanders throughout his career, you know, he doesn't give a shit about personal accolades. He had a chance to win the rushing title his rookie year and took himself out of the football game because the Lions were up so big and said, no, let the, let, let, you know, let, let somebody else play. And he didn't end up winning the rushing title. So this isn't a weird thing for him to do. So how does this tie into culture and politics? It is it is something that has, has been asked by Detroit sports fans for so long. Why did Barry Sanders walk away from football? And there's been all... Uh-oh. Did you Uh-oh. Am I gone? I'm back. Oh, you're back. I'm here. Anyway. Uh, dramatic so- pause. Yeah, d- d- so Detroit Lions fans have, have for the longest time asked why, you know, why would Barry Sanders walk away? Oh man, we're losing Dan. Again. Yeah, I'm losing you again. Oh no, we're in trouble. Uh-oh. Let's see if we can fix this. Yeah, go ahead and try to fix that. All right. <laughs> um Where's his AOL sound? <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, here you go, Bell. Here you go. Let me find it real quick. Here's here's Dan right now. Anyways, so what? I, I really don't want to take the wind out of Dan's sail, but I know what he's about to get to is Barry Sanders decided to walk away, and he decided to walk away at a time where he was at the precipice at the peak of his career. And when he decided to just walk away, when he, when he did that, it created a bunch of conspiracy theories and a bunch of wild, like ideas that people thought that they might think was going to happen. Like, well, he must be doing it because of this. He must be doing it because of this. And it's very similar to the same thing that we see when it comes to uh, politics that in over, Oh, there he is. That was weird. That was so weird. My internet just went out uh, randomly. Yeah. Anyway, were you were you explaining why this kind of applies? To I was basically feeling dead air. Go ahead and pick up where you left off. <laughs> why, why Barry Sanders? Why Barry Sanders? I'll cut this out in the actual recording. Uh, but why Barry Sanders applies to uh, politics is there's there was always these <laughs> questions of why and like this the, like because we we see this in politics and culture all the time is like these really simple explanations sometimes just aren't taken for what they actually are. It's just like on occasion, like something just kind of is what it is. And like this idea that Barry Sanders would just walk away. is like, no, there's gotta be more to it than that. It's like, no, he was, he was just ready to walk away. And we see that in culture and politics all the time about like, why, like, we have to ask all these extra questions and it's like, but why, but why, but why, but it's just like, it's just the thing that it is. I have a great example, Corey. Okay. This next topic, Derek Chauvin stabbed in prison. So for those who don't remember, Derek Chauvin was the police officer that, uh, uh, killed George Floyd. Bad policing. (laughs) I have no problem saying that he killed George Floyd. Oh no, Dan. 
you should probably switch your internet to your on your laptop to your uh, hotspot on your phone. But the connection that right now that Dan is about to make is about Shobin being stabbed in prison. And what we are about to be going into was the fact that like, like there's about a lot of like convoluted ideas about whether or not he actually killed this person. This is a disaster. I mean, not that he actually killed this person. He did kill George Floyd, but some people are, oh, you're back. I'm here. Like this is just been this this episode has been an absolute disaster. You should switch your phone to your hotspot or your laptop or your Wi-Fi or whatever. I'm, I'm hardwired in. Oh. You got some squirrels chewing on the wires? Uh maybe maybe Wi-Fi would be better. There's there, it. Dan, let me tell you this. There's no way there's a simple explanation for this. It's clearly a conspiracy <laughs> of the government right? looking with I'm your just internet. sitting here. I'm just sitting here trying to talk about Barry. <laughs> as soon as you say his name it's the government building in colbert oklahoma instead of hardwire maybe that'll help <laughs> you say it's the government in colbert oklahoma yeah oh that's all there the is we have a bunch of listeners from we showed so much love to that city and that shitty that <laughs> shitty i'm here yeah. i think they showed no love they showed no love it's a disaster I'm no, just kidding. Anyway, they should love, but Chauvin stabbed in prison. <laughs> can I? Can I just get through like one thing without I, this fucking show finish, cutting please? out at me? Can, can I, I finish, just finish? Please, please. Can I finish? Can I just finish one <laughs> thing before this shit cuts out again? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. No. So real quick, I'm gonna uh, help Dan out here with this. And uh, what I'm going to say is, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> this is a disaster. All I'm right, here great. we are. I'm having a great time. Um, I bet you are. Please drink more. I haven't even started drinking. Well, I did drink. It's not me last week. Bell's the drunk one. <laughs> Thank God it's I'm not, not gonna, you this I'm week. I'm not going to speak. I'm going to let you, you tie try, Barry Sanders into Derek Chauvin because try, I, apparently I can't get a thought in your router, Dan. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Dan eloquently expressed the idea of Barry Sanders of it being a simple explanation for him leaving versus everyone like wanting all these answers when he simply just walked away. Then we were tying this into Derek Chavon, who the one who is the one, whether you want to think he kneeled on his neck or if George Floyd was on too many drugs, whatever, his bad policing, accompanied by the police that he were in charge of with their lack of action, ended up with a man dead. Fast, But we're not talking about that. We're fast-forwarding three years. Derek Chavon was just recently stabbed in prison. And with him being stabbed in prison... There is a bunch of conspiracies that are popping up that, oh, it must have been the deep state trying to take him out. Oh, all of these different things must have been going on. They, they must want to silence him for some reason, even though he's already doing his time for what he did. Like he has some secret knowledge of something. And no, he just he was a fucking shitty cop. And he just recently got stabbed in prison. And... What we're maybe, trying to say is like, maybe it was just the fact that he's a cop in yeah. prison, yeah, and prisoners don't like cops, particularly <laughs> cops that kill people. Typically, cops that put the prisoners in there in the first place. 
and we're not condoning either way. Like, you know, like, like, I think me and Dan are both comfortable saying that we don't think he should have been stabbed. I know that there's prison justice and you let things go and things like that happen, but a jury of his peers decided that he needed to be in prison for the rest of his life, not have a death sentence. So a jury of his peers decided to put him in prison. That should be the end all be all, but he got stabbed by some of his, some of his playmates on the playground yard and <laughs> all the conspiracies are going wild about it when I think it's, it's really just they don't like us. Like every the prisoner is, in that like, place knows who he is. Like the thing, the is, thing if is, he had gotten, if he had gotten deep stated, he'd be dead. Mm-hmm. He'd be dead. It wouldn't it wouldn't have just been like some turd sandwich with a fucking shiv in the in the yard. Just trying to stab him, him in the bladder in the a bunch of times so he has to piss into a bag for the rest of his life. No, <laughs> yeah. it would have been Je- Jeffrey Epstein. Oh my God! The cameras went out. Oh well, guess what, guys? He was on suicide watch. Oh, the yeah. the the strangulation could have maybe been a hanging, or it could have been done by someone choking him. I wouldn't chalk it up like- necessarily to being a cop in prison, but I've noticed that a lot of people who are also pieces of garbage getting stabbed in prison. <laughs> Larry Nasser. And mm, that's true. Is that a conspiracy I think or no? No, I think it's I think it's a clout thing, and um, people are attacking high profile people in prison. To get yeah, that's support. a good point. That's a good point. Kind of like uh, uh, you know, basically, I mean, Derek Chauvin, call him what you want. He's essentially a celebrity inmate, right? Yep, like a Larry Nassar. Yep, yeah, a, a celebrity inmate who, I mean, honestly. Wow. So there's an interesting, there's an interesting thought. Like if you had to choose between one or the other, Larry Nasser or Derek Chauvin, who would you rather be killed in prison? <laughs> who would you I rather get say, stabbed a bunch of times? I would, Larry Nasser, obviously. Larry Nasser. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. That's, <laughs> that's not even easy. That's Larry not even Nassar. hard. But he only molested white girls. Oh, thank God. Oh, okay, I'm just trying to play the <laughs> I'm just trying to, just trying to play Just trying to play a game. Just trying to play a game. Uh, just, just a little game. A little. Let's just do a little goof about. Um, he only he, Corey. He only molested privileged white girls. <laughs> As so a man of class, that counts. Like on the victimhood hierarchy. I should probably cut that out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> and no, there goes Dan again. I'm not exactly sure what happened. Oh yeah, I'm not. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's really what it is. It's not no deep state thing. We've seen people. He ain't found shit. Yeah, and, and deep stated is people committing suicide by shooting themselves in the chest twice. Deep stating mm-hmm. is the camera's not working and the guy happens to be on suicide watch type of shit. Michael like, Hastings. Yeah, Michael Hastings. That's, yeah, you want to get into real conspiracies. We've talked about this time. before on the show. No, yeah. we always, yeah, we did years ago, but then we planned on revisiting it, but, uh, which is actually a topic that we should definitely write down because we should talk about that next week. Michael, but that might be a prelude good holiday. Next week, it let's talk a- about, uh, the, the idea that cars can be hacked next that week. That might be a in. good. Okay. All right. So Corey already set that up. Uh, I was going to say that might be a good holiday topic. Yeah, I think so. When everything's kind of slow. Um, but you know what? You know what we missed? Um, hostage hostage releases. 
Yeah, the best the best goddamn thing that has come out of this whole Israeli-Palestinian conflict is the ceasefire. And that's, that's my opinion. It's 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 interesting, right? Because it's a situation where you had uh the pro-Israeli side talking about how a ceasefire is just kowtowing to Hamas and you you and and you know we're not going to do a ceasefire until the hostages are released but then you realize when you're dealing with war like regardless right so like hamas you know is in in the context of what's taking place right now right hamas started it in that context okay there's the his, there's the entire history there's 73 there's 67 there's 48 and there's even before that right we, i i know that we've talked about that before on the show but it's a situation where you realize that just because the bad people the people who you perceive as bad right because obviously the other side perceives you as bad the people who you perceive as bad starting it is like this pretext to like we're never going to stop until they do what we want to do and then you realize sometimes in diplomacy that you have to come together at a table regardless of who started it and make things a little bit better so you get a ceasefire and you also get hostages being released there's no yeah, universe where any of that is bad there's no universe no. when people stop killing each other that's good i don't care I'm if i disagree to see with what you ben or has you. to say what he say I'm just interested to see what he has to say because oh is it, yeah like, oh yeah like yeah it's war is a funny thing right let's just talk Ukraine about is, that in a second war Ukraine is fucking is, hilarious is so or not hilarious I didn't mean to put it like that but like the way that once the sabers start rattling it's this weird us versus them thing and it makes people stupid war makes people dumb it really war does. Turns- War turns people into neocons. War turns people into warmongers. Oh my God, they started this it's thing. It's this weird we tribalism thing. Yeah, there's just a million and a half reasons why war just sucks. And like everyone, like as soon as war happens, everyone gets ramped up and then they're ready to throw fisticuffs. But they forget the fact that war is the result of failed leadership, failed policy, and failed uh, <clears throat> politicians. All of it. Failed diplomacy, failed everything. War is the end all be all of stupid people not being able to get keep their act together on either side. And you have you have one sided asinine punditry, right? Like whether you're whether you're the whether you're the on the side of like pro Palestine, which doesn't necessarily mean pro Hamas, although the pro Israel people will tell you that the two things are exactly the same. If you're pro Palestine or you're pro Israel, like like the punditry that comes about. And you and you sit there and you go, okay. If you really care that much, if you care that much, why don't you take your ass over to Israel and enlist? Like, why don't you fight? If that, if if it's really that much of an existential threat to you, well, that's the exceptionalism of America, right? We're allowed to. Oh, we don't have to do that. Just yeah, we don't have to do it. We can just bitch about it. These guys are bad. These others over here. See those others? See those? I'm pointing to the Joker up in my uh, my my top. Is this my left shoulder? My right shoulder? I don't know. Because I Joker. think my, my screen's on reverse. The Joker up there. Like this. this these You're doing a these good people job. over here. These others. These others are the bads. Fuck you, Dan. I stood there like a week ago. 
Oh, I should just get a silly. <laughs> I was standing there literally like six days ago. Now you're pointing where I was standing. Are you calling me bad? You're That's an it. other Corey. I'm othering you right now. More. <laughs> We're going. So in breaking news, breaking news here on Libsertive Podcast, me and Dan are at war. You know what's interesting, though? I've noticed in, in a silence since the ceasefire and the hostage releases. Like, you're seeing it on CNN and, and Fox News or whatever, and it's like, 10 hostages released today and like and like it and and i'll give i'll actually give them credit which is very very rare they're just kind of reporting it like it's news because it is as opposed to like trying to turn it into something that it's not but like these these like diehard hardcore punditry you know these you know the ben shapiro's of the world and the the i mean i love her but they i disagree their with saber her rattling this. The, the the barry weiss's of the world they they've they've, they've well, it's not even just saber rattling it's like this 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 grasp for uh, I I can't even really I can't I can't really explain it because but it goes deeper than saber rattling to me it's it's just more of like it's m- trying to grab the moral high ground which is something that we shit on all the time and people that we respect but shit now on that all the, the moral time. high ground and, and is something, equivalent <laughs> some, Something that I've actually even given people like Ben Shapiro for shitting on at certain points. Like that's that that's that's stopped during the ceasefire. So it, it makes me it makes me go. The ceasefire happens, the hostages are starting to be released, and now you have nothing to say. Like, why don't you have anything to say? Right. Where are no, the no, tweets like, that you had three weeks ago? So this is so this is so this was a thought that I was literally starting to formulate right before you said that. So I have to be that's I'm trying to like figure out how to articulate it because usually I think about my words and then I forget them when I start to talk. But you do often. <laughs> I should be a writer, I shouldn't be a podcaster. Because <laughs> I can sit there and stare at a sentence for 45 minutes and go, ah, that's the word I want. Anyways, it is insane how like like once things ramp up and there's the saber rattling <clears throat> and everyone just feels like they have to pick a side and no one takes a pause and you want an equivalent, like it, it goes, let's, since we were talking about sports in the top of the line, let's uh, use a sports equivalency. Okay. Whenever a halfback, People understand gets, it. Yeah. Whenever a halfback gets given the ball and he immediately runs at the pocket before the openings develop, he gets tackled to where if he just takes that half a second pause and lets things develop and lets things develop in front of him. And then he makes his move. It's more efficient. And then if everybody did things like that versus immediately adding just heat to the fire by just picking a side and saber rattling and saying them bad, we're good. And all of that, we might be better off as a human, as a species, or as a society. Bet, as honestly, a world. I think I think is a that a good analogy? That's a good no, fucking no, sports analogy, right? No, it's no, it's good, and it's it's real good, and it, 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 it was, actually, was it, really good. It, but but to, <laughs> but what I will say is that it actually made me think of a better one. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually. I like it. I liken it more to like an at bat in baseball, right? Like if you walk up to the plate and you fucking just swing at every pitch, you're gonna swing and miss 
a lot as to where if you let an at yeah. bat develop, people get paid you take that millions and millions of dollars to miss seven out of ten hits. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and like you can you can do that in political punditry, but if you're up there swinging at every fucking pitch, you're, you're gonna going out. to be cut. You're going to be cut in two seconds. So I I actually liken it more to like trying to trying to develop a good at bat in baseball. Take a pitch, see what the pitcher's stuff is. Look for your pitch in this window, and when it comes there, then you swing the bat. Like that's that Just is where the pause. So, and that's that's where I feel like certain really good journalists like a Barry Weiss have been so good for so fucking long, and then this Israel thing happens, and like I'm not gonna like abandon her. I still love Barry Weiss. I still think she's fucking brilliant. But I really think like there's like a fog of war that has gotten into her brain that has turned her into just this, you know, she she will sit there all day and tell these anecdotal stories about like these these um, Israelis that were harmed during October 7th. And she's not wrong. Like these are real stories. These are real people. Right. These are real tragedies. I don't have an issue with that. But I have not heard her once, once acknowledge the nuance in the history behind this conflict, like for Barry Weiss right here, right now. And I know her, I think she'll be, I think this, I think she will recover from this, but like she, she, she is at a point right now where she feels like history started on October 7th. And no, she there's a part, there's a part of me that understands that, right? Like, like, like for a lot of people, Middle Eastern conflict in the United States, we can relate this because, we can relate this. We actually can relate this to 9-11, which I think has been kind of overused, but like history in a weird way did kind of start on 9-11 in a for a lot of people in regards to the in, Middle in, in, East. In a, in a, yeah, in a pseudo way. Like in America. Not in really, America, not the world. Yeah. In America. But when you yeah. have that emotional reaction and you, you have this this idea of when history began on this particular thing it's really easy to get kind of fall down that wormhole if that makes sense. Right. Well, I mean, they, like it's, it's, it's human nature, right? Like is in, strip it down and make it as simple as possible. You're on the playground. Someone punches you. You're going to punch back. Right. There's not a Maybe there's not a moment to think about like, and oh, you maybe did a, a thing, right? You maybe did something. Maybe you said something to that person that they didn't like a week ago. A week the ago. Play, a well, the ago. playground's based in minutes. Uh, you know, like your recess yeah, twenty minutes. True. You could have said but something to them five minutes in, and then ten minutes later, they punched you. And you know, I remember. Yeah. What the fuck was that all about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What, what I'm gonna throw wood chips at you in your eyes because I've done that. Isn't I'm throwing it, wood chips at people's it, eyes. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> How how you can uh, that you're a dirty fighter? I can tell you're a dirty <laughs> fighter. Uh, I was like eight years old. But isn't it amazing how you can actually compare? And I'm sure there are people out there that are going to call us uh, idiots for this. And, that's and I'm not fine. a dirty fighter. But, I'm a scrappy fighter. The streets don't got no am- rules, Dan. <laughs> but isn't it amazing? See, like that's the difference between you and I, man. I grew up boxing. It's like let's get in the ring and. <laughs> Have some sanctioned rules when we do this. You want to? You want to fight? See, we gotta, so, so what's what's you gotta crazy, fight though, like we're going men. on a real tangent right now, right? We're going on a real tangent. I've always had a lot of fun doing that because there's rules. I can have fun doing it. 
but when you grow up in rougher neighborhoods, you fight to What's win. different? If you're if you're fighting for your life, I get that. But isn't it amazing how we can, how we can actually take something that's as complex as like a Middle East conflict that has been going on, depending on when you want history to start. Say it's even if it starts in 1948, right? We're talking about goddamn year 90 years. There are arguments to say that it started before that, after that, doesn't matter. But we'll just go with 1948. We're talking about goddamn near 90 years. And you can still compare that to a fucking playground scrap. Like, you hit me first. Well, you said something about my mama first. Well, you yeah. did this thing first. You know, it's like... It's, Your mama's that, so fast, she uses mattresses as a tampon. <laughs> <laughs> you ever hear that one? No, next time I see you, I'm throwing a dart in your eye, though. <laughs> and I'll be like, what? What did I say? <laughs> uh, anyway, we got a lot more to talk about tonight, Corey. Let's move on to it. Let's um, move on. Let's keep, this, let's keep this train moving. Shall I just go ahead and read the CTIL files? Yeah. The opening... Um, Bell, hop in on this because what we're going to do is basically he's going to read this juicy-ass file, and then we're just going to throw our two cents. Yes. I'll listen. So from Michael Michael Schellenberger and uh, Alex Gutentag and Matt Taibbi, all contributors to this piece, which is why it's remarkably long. I'm Honestly, I'm probably going to skip some of this stuff, but um, to set it up, uh, a whistleblower has come forward with an, with an explosive new, uh, new trove of documents Rivaling hey, Dan, or I don't mean to cut you off, file. but should we should we pause and just give a, a, a bit of a some context? This I will. An, I will. Gonna, okay. Go ahead. I will. I'm, I'm reading. I'm, I'm reading the the the, the 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 synopsis here. So whistleblowers come forward with an explosive new trove of documents rivaling or exceeding the Twitter files and Facebook files in scale and importance. Uh, they describe the activities of a, a quote anti disinformation end quote group called the Cyber Threat Intelligence League, or CTIL, uh, that officially began as the volunteer project of data scientists and defense and intelligence veterans, uh, but whose tactics over time appear to have been absorbed into multiple uh, official projects, including those of the Department of Homeland Security. So the CTIL is the, what did I hell? I can't, the, first of all, when I read this, there's going to be a shit ton of acronyms. I don't expect anybody to understand what all of them are. I haven't even grasped, and I've read this thing twice now. I haven't even grasped uh, what all of these acronyms actually are. But essentially, there's this... CDIL uh, is Cyber Threat Intelligence League. Yes, yes. Uh, so this is this is a, 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 uh, a volunteer organization that was essentially put together globally with now hundreds of, of uh, contributors that um, is essentially trying to fight disinformation. I guess, I guess if you had to put it but into disinformation like a is one subjective, yes. context. Subjective exactly. disinformation. So that's kind of the point. So there's this woman, Sarah Jane or SJ Terp. Um, I'm going to give you a, uh, so she's, she's, she's headed up a lot of the intelligence in this. I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of her uh, career. Uh, accord, uh, this is actually just according to chat GPT. So, so Sarah Jane Turp, also known as SJ Turp, uh, has, has had a uh, significant career in the fields of cybersecurity and misinformation. 
what the fuck is the field of misinformation? That's a question that I'll ask till I die. Uh, here's a brief rundown. Information, Dan, is what the government deems as false information. She began her career working in defense research for the British government. She's developed algorithms that combine sonar readings with oceanographic data. Well, that seems pretty innocuous. Uh, she has been involved in exercises hosted by the U.S. military where she brainstormed <laughs> ways to deceive a modern foe. Isn't that interesting? Uh, she co-founded CogSec Collab and 3T Consulting where she worked on processes that I just sounded like a Canadian there. She's, she worked on processes and technologies for disinformation defense. Uh, she is an Atlantic council senior fellow working on technology policy. She's been part of an international group of security experts, academics, journalists, and government researchers working on what she calls misinfosec. So misinformation security. Uh, she uses the tools of cybersecurity to track false claims like, uh, um, I'm sorry, to track false claims like they're malware, like they are malware uh, with the goal of stopping dangerous lies from hacking our beliefs. Let me, let me say that again. With a goal of stopping dangerous lies from hacking our beliefs. Is there a world where that doesn't sound Orwellian as fuck? You don't want your beliefs Just, hacked, Dan. I, I don't want my beliefs hacked. That's very, very true. Um, so anyway, I'll get into the you article. You gotta let the government she, do she comes it for up you. A lot. She comes up a lot. So um, over the last year, public, racket, congressional investigators, and others have documented the rise of the censorship industrial complex, which is what Schellenberger likes to call it. I kind of dig it. Uh, a network of over 100 government agencies and non-governmental organizations that work together to urge censorship by social media platforms and spread propaganda about disfavored individuals, topics, and whole narratives. The U.S. Department of Homeland Security, Cybersecurity, and Information Security uh, has been the center of gravity for much of the censorship, with the National Science Foundation financing the development of censorship and disinformation tools and other governmental agencies playing a supportive role. Emails from C CISA's NGO. Again, I told you, there's going to be a, a ton of fucking acronyms you're not going to be able to keep up because neither can I. So emails from CSIA's NGO, a social media, a social media partners uh, show that CISA created the Election Integrity Partnership, or EIP, in 2020, which involved the Stanford Internet Observatory, or SIO, and other U.S. government contractors. EIP and its successor, the Virality Project, urged Twitter, Facebook, and other platforms to censor social media posts by, ordina by ordinary citizens and elected officials alike, which I think a lot of that came out in the Twitter files. Uh, despite the overwhelming evidence of government-sponsored censorship, it had yet to be determined where the idea for such mass censorship came from. In 2018, an SIO official and former CIA fellow, Renee DiResta, we all know her, uh, or he, or her, I, I don't want to assume the gender, uh, generated national <laughs> headlines. on eggshells. Generated, na generated national headlines <laughs> before, after, before and after testifying to the U.S. Senate about Russian government interference in the 2016 election. We all remember Between, this. Yeah. <clears throat> but what happened between 2018 and the spring of 2020? The year 2019 has been a black hole in the research 
of the censorship industrial project. Uh, I'm sorry, censorship industrial complex to date. When one of us, Michael Schellenberger, testified to the U.S. House of Representatives about the censorship industrial complex in March of this year, 2023, the entire year was missing from the timeline, the year of 2019. Now, a large trove of documents, including strategy documents, training videos, presentations, and internal messages, reveal that in 2019, U.S. and U.K. military intelligence contractors, led by a former U.K. defense researcher, Sarah Jane, or S.J. Terp. So she's uh, not even American. No, she's from she's a UK researcher. Uh, developed a sweeping censorship framework. These contractors co-led CTIL, which partnered with CISA in the spring of 2020. In truth, the building of the censorship industrial complex began even earlier in 2018. Internal CTIL Slack messages show Terp, her colleagues, and officials from DHS and Facebook all working closely together in the censorship process. The CTIL framework and the uh, public-private model are the seeds of what both the U.S. and U.K. would put into place in 2020 and 2021, including masking censorship within cybersecurity institutions and counter-disinformation agendas. A heavy focus on stopping disfavored narratives, not just wrong facts, and pressuring social media platforms to take down information or take other actions to prevent content from going viral. Yeah. So right so, here, I'm going to stop you ahead. real quick. <clears throat> go ahead. Get after and it. And this was and this was like that weird thing we were talking about, like about a, like maybe six months ago. Uh, Twitter and I believe I know Twitter for sure. That's where the Twitter files came from. I'm not as, so I'm not so much sure about Facebook. But Twitter hired a lawyer who used to work for the FBI. Yes. And then when you have a lawyer, you look to him for advice for your platform, for the legalities of how you're supposed to proceed. And he's former FBI. And so he was giving them information saying that you should go along with these type of things. And you're turning like, and what it ended up being is, is like you saw the, the pressuring social media platforms and what the, why I'm even say, talking about the, uh, Oh man. Hey Bell, if you can real quick, look up Twitter's previous lawyer who had FBI ties. And uh, but they were pressuring social media platforms to take down information or take other actions to prevent content from going viral. Twitter was looking for legal advice from their internal lawyers on what they should and shouldn't take down. Which and they were literally going sense. to an FBI makes, agent. Makes complete <laughs> sense though, right? It makes complete sense. Right. Going to you're, yeah you're, because you're, when you're, you're at turn that to point, legal yeah yeah but when the legal guy who's giving you advice is previous FBI he's obviously going to be saying well you obviously you're you got your caught hand in the cook you got your hand caught in the cooking jar kind of thing and you should do what they say and so what I find interesting about this is how the, it's a a feedback loop that they were slowly developing from 2018. And then when 2020, 2021 came along, they just turned the heat up on it into full, full overdrive. Yeah. So uh, CTIL's approach to quote unquote disinformation went far beyond censorship. The documents show that the group engaged in off offensive, not offensive, but like going on offense, offensive operations 
to influence public opinion, discussing ways to promote, quote, counter messaging end quote, uh, co-opt hashtags, dilute disfavored messaging, create sock puppet accounts and infiltrate private invite only groups. Oh, so we're talking about just straight up propaganda. Yeah, so let me read one more paragraph, and then I'll let you go ahead, Corey. This will be quick. In one suggested list of survey questions, CTIL proposed asking members or potential members, quote, having, or I'm sorry, have you have you worked with influence operations, i.e. disinformation, hate speech, uh, other digital harms, etc., previously, end quote. The survey then asked whether these influence operations included, quote, active measures and quote psyops, end quote. So you, what you have is you have people from the CTIL influencing, uh, infiltrating, um, like private Facebook groups, which isn't isn't really that crazy because it's like all you have to do is ask to be a member, and most of these places will let you in. Uh, but then they go in there and they 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 put out these fucking ridiculous surveys. Like I don't. Like, at least that's the way I'm reading it. I don't know. If right. I'm- no, you're right. And what they were doing was they were using basically useful idiots to do this because the actual government can't necessarily do these things without warrants. That's exactly right. Um, these documents came to us uh, via a highly credible whistleblower. And listen, I love Schellenberger. I love Taibbi. I love these people. But when I see when I see the words highly credible whistleblower without a name, yeah. Them, it's it's interesting because there is some good information. But at the same here. time it's like it's it's weird like the like uh our the way our system is set up it's almost like set up to disparage an unnamed whistleblower because then it sounds uncredible. But when you actually have a legitimate whistleblower they get straight exiled from the country like Edward Snowden, Julian Assange. So you have to be careful. I get it. Yeah. So, so you want you want my two cents in the whole thing? It's hey, give me that two cents. Would, would would this information sway an election more? Or I guess if this information was released, would it sway an election more than the Steele dossier? James Andrew Baker. I just saw your private chat, Dan. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I didn't hear what you and, said because I was reading. And, but that was the F- former FBI agent who was their James lawyer. Baker. Yeah. He was he was a deputy general counsel for Twitter. Yeah, former FBI. But like that, that's the real question. I mean, like you have you have these like literally half of the nation that is convinced that Donald Trump is whatever simply because of the Steele dossier. But all of this stuff is going on right in front of their face, and they don't realize it's, it. It's literal fascism. So, do these people hate Donald Trump because of their own? like nuanced thought and research or do they hate Donald Trump because of they've been told to hate all Donald of these Trump. groups have been telling them to hate Donald Trump. Dan, do you and I hate Donald Trump because we don't like his policies or do we hate Donald Trump because we were told to hate Donald Trump? If I'm, if I'm being fair, if you would ask me in 2016 or like, if like, that's not true. If you ask me now how I feel, how I felt in 2016, I would have said I hated Donald Trump because I was told to hate Donald Trump. I have, I have absolutely yeah, 100%, no, I have 100%. absolutely no problem admitting that. Yeah. Same However, here, today, now that I've gotten into the nitty gritty of what Donald Trump actually represents, you just a mediocre I'm a, president. I'm actually not even going to say I hate him. 
I think he's You're just a uh, shitty well, not even mediocre, it's a shitty president like the rest of them. No, I just I think I just think he's a There's no better than a bush. Of, I think no, it's I irrelevant. You know what, Bell? That's exactly the best. That's the best. It's irrelevant. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, is does this sway an election more, or does what we were led to believe sway an election more? Because if you ask me, when you get one party that's literally censoring information and blocking things on social media from people, like it's not like it's not information. It is genuine information. Right. And blocking and it the, from people. That's the whole thing from Schellenberger's latest article, which came out today, which we haven't had a chance to read yet. But the way the, and I understand it's just a headline, but the way the headline reads is that um, there were, hold on, let me actually pull it up so I'm not fucking misquoting here. Uh, so U.S. government officials sought to censor narratives and interfere in 2020 election newly released emails show. That's the article from Schellenberger and the public today. I have not had a chance to read this yet. But from the headline, when I look at it and I go, sought to censor narratives in order to interfere in the 2020 election, I go, that doesn't really move the needle for me nearly as much because there are always, always efforts to interfere and shift narratives in order to make elections go a certain way. This is not, this is in no way a new concept. So I'll have to read the piece. We'll probably revisit it next week. If there's something in there that oh, the I, new I, piece. I, I love, yeah, I love Michael Schellenberger. There's probably something juicy in there. We just haven't had a chance to get into it yet. And so maybe that's something we'll talk about next week. But like when I see interfere or influence elections, that's, that's just, that's not a new concept. You're not wrong at all. That's 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 pretty constant. So, um, uh, especially what, what, especially what, when it's from the same side, twice. So a missing the now. word, like not the when someone when someone comes before someone when someone comes after someone they're the predecessor. No, no, the predecessor is someone before, right? Predecessor, someone before. Successor, so Matt Taibbi's predecessor would have been Hunter S. Thompson. Correct. I think was there anybody in between them? I don't think so. I'm not sure, but in his book, at Rolling Fear and Stone. Loathing on the Campaign Trail in '72, he talks about McGovern and he talks about this exact thing of how the narratives and things were spun towards him and things like that. Is all I'm saying. Like this, this stuff was happening in the '70s and '80s, and yeah, there's always there's always influence peddling when it comes to elections. So I'm not. That's not really what I'm concerned with. What I'm concerned with is fucking censorship. That's what I'm concerned with. Um, so one person, Bonnie Smalley, replied over uh, LinkedIn saying, quote, all I can comment on is that I joined CTI League, which is unaffiliated with any government organizations, which is something that somebody that's affiliated with a government organization would say, because I wanted to combat. Oh, excuse me. That was a hiccup because I <laughs> wanted to combat um, the, quote, inject bleach nonsense online during COVID. Uh, I can assure you that we had nothing to do with the government, though. Okay. Did Interesting, you? Interesting, Bonnie. Well, here's so hold on. Let's go. Uh, yet the documents suggest the government employees were engaged, were engaged members of CTIL. One individual who worked for DHS, Justin Fra Frappier or Frappier, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, F R A P P I E R, uh, was Frappier. extremely 
was extremely active in CTIL, participating in regular meetings and leading trainings. How do I know this? Because I'm looking at the article here and there are Slack messages in which Justin Frappier is, he's in the Slack messages. They don't say a whole lot, but he's obviously involved. Um, what's her nuts? SJ Terp is also in the same <laughs> Slack messages. So CTIL's ultimate goal said the whistleblower quote was the uh, was to become part of the federal government in our weekly meetings they made it clear that they were building these organizations with with the federal government and if you built the first iteration we could secure a job for you terp's plan which she shared in presentations to information security and cybersecurity groups in, 20, in 2019, was to create, quote, misinfosec communities, which would include government. Uh, both, pub both public records and the whistleblower's documents suggest she achieved this. In April 2020, Chris Krebs, the director of CISA, uh, announced on Twitter and in multiple articles that CISA was partnering with CTIL. Quote, it's really an information exchange, said Krebs, end quote. Uh, the documents also show that Terp and her colleagues, through a group called MisInfoSec Working Group, which included Brene Duresta, created a censorship, influence, and anti-disinformation strategy called Adversarial Misinformation and Influence Tactic Techniques, or AMITT. Uh, they wrote AMITT by adapting a cybersecurity framework developed by MITRE, a major defense and intelligence contractor that has an annual budget of $1 to $2 billion in federal government funding. <laughs> Terp later used AMITT to develop the DISARM, which is an acronym, framework, which the World Health Organization then employed in, quote, countering anti-vaccination campaigns across Europe. Uh, a key component to Terp's work through CTIL, MisInfoTech, and AMITT was to insert the concept of, quote, cognitive security into the fields of cybersecurity and information security. So I'm going to stop myself right now cognitive what, security just at what point how, like the uh, hold on bell the the orwellian language here is unbelievable right. which is the point of the title of of our episode tonight americans too dumb to be trusted with brains and that's not us saying it it's we, our government we have to secure your cognitive nivity, your cognitive nivity. I've just made up that word and I love it. The thing, the thing, the real thing about it is like, how do you, you don't know enough about something to tell the public, yeah, this is for sure. That's the thing about it that drives me the most crazy is because they don't, still, still to this day, you don't know enough about the COVID vaccine. You could be, it's not an anti-vaccine thing. It's an anti-COVID vaccine and I like, like anti-COVID vaccine movement. And I get that, but, but asking questions about it. Oh my Because gosh. people were like having pause. Yeah. Was treated like someone who said, 
you need to inject bleach into your blood. Right. You know, these people that said that these people that like, if they had any questions about the COVID vaccine, they were treated as somebody that said, is murder so bad? Right. <laughs> it's like, I, I won't understand it ever. The, the, the fact that you have Slack channels out there <coughs> mentioning something like cognitive security. We have to secure essentially the American mind. We have to secure it. Yeah, we don't want like the queen bee doesn't want those drone workers stopping and sniffing the flowers for too long. They need to collect that nectar and bring it back. According to the whistleblower, roughly 12 to 20 active people involved in CTIL worked at the FBI or CSIA or I'm sorry, CISA uh, quote for a while. They had their agency seals, FBI, CISA, whatever, next to their name on the Slack messaging service. So this is supposed to be an organization that is not affiliated with the federal government at all. Yeah, and real and quick, on I their say fucking that, uh, Slack channel, go ahead. Just because we've said CISA a few times, and I don't know if we actually talked about uh, like that acronym. It is Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. I didn't know it. So I wanted I, to make what sure I said. that There's I too said many it. fucking acronyms. Well, doesn't that just go to show how big the federal government is that's completely unnecessary? It's but just they, acronyms. That they're so swollen, they don't even have time to say their full names. They have to create acronyms. Yeah, it's just, it just a million fucking acronyms. So uh, the ambitions of the 2020 pioneers uh, of the central, in, uh, I'm sorry, of the censorship industrial complex went far beyond simply urging Twitter to slap a warning label on tweets uh, or to put individuals on blacklists. The blacklist. What is this, McCarthyism? Yeah, 100%. Uh, the AMITT framework calls for discrediting individuals as a necessary prerequisite of demanding censorship against them. It calls for training influencers to spread messages. And it calls for trying to get banks to cut off financial services to individuals who organize rallies or events. We saw that. And this then, dude, we fucking saw that in Canada. Yeah. We did. In the we trucker protest. We saw that happen in real life. In real time. And uh, we over were the next crazy several... for actually oh. calling that out. Over the next several days and weeks, we intend to present these documents to congressional investigators and we'll make public all of the documents. I can't wait to see this. And we'll make public all the documents we can we can, while also protecting the identity of the whistleblower and other individuals uh, who are not uh, senior leaders or public figures. Well, that's very sweet of them. because I, I do want to say real clear. I want to know who those people are. Over the next several days and weeks. Is it several days and a couple of weeks or is it several weeks? I don't know. And I only it's say Michael, that because it, like uh, right Corey, now, it's Michael Schellenberger and Matt Taibbi. Do you trust them? I do absolutely trust them. Okay. That, like, the, 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 that, the only reason I'm even questioning that statement is because I've been waiting for a video game to come out since 2016 that keeps delaying itself called Skull and Bones. <laughs> and that right now, recently, they said their release date for the game is early 2023-2024. Like, what the fuck does that mean? I don't know. So, yeah, so it just, it seems, it seems, uh, Corey's been waiting for this game like the people of Detroit have been waiting for Illich to build housing. <laughs> or, uh, 
or, or the Lions, Lions to win a Super Bowl. Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I, I, I'm not gonna, I don't think I'm going to read a whole lot more of this. It's, it's, it's much longer than, than what I, there's, and there's, there's a lot more information involved, but God, I was reading it with you, Dan. I was hoping for the whole damn thing. Finish it. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish it. Go ahead and finish it. We, I mean, no, we can do a part two next week because like this, it's, it's just, it's, it's a situation where like the, as Michael Schellenberger likes to call it, the, uh, um, censorship industrial complex. You're fucking busted, bro. Like you, like you're you, busted. you are busted. You, you're you bust. are bust. This is a situation <laughs> where. You, so they they like to portray. This is what drives me fucking nuts, and and what makes it so Orwellian is like. You have a a government, or a series of government governments and government agencies doing this thing Mm -hmm. where it's we're doing this to protect people's cognition we're doing this to their cognitive security we're we're doing this to protect you we're protecting Uh, they're 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 going too far out of the lane dan the minute a government agency says we're doing this to protect you, you need to start asking fucking questions. And yeah. and I know I can I can I can already hear people going like, "What did, did you just read Ayn Rand?" Like, what the fuck difference does that make? Right. Those Benjamin no, Franklin, right? So, those 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 so who the what, is it, what, what is what? Hold on. What is Benjamin Franklin's uh, uh, quote? Those who uh, those who uh, seek seek uh, temporary security. For the and uh, or people who give up freedom for temporary security, disease security deserve, deserve neither, exactly. deserve neither. Yeah, god damn it. Why I must have had too many whiskeys. I don't yeah. know why I couldn't. Think um, that. so for Thank this article, for the people who uh, for the TLDR too long didn't read, the government <laughs> basically thinks that you're too stupid to make up your own decisions. About what's and misinformation. About what's misinformation and that they're going to just make that decision for you. Like, oh, you, 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 when you, when you, when you first tried bowling, the ball went into the gutter too many times. Oh, don't worry. We'll just put the bumpers up for you. So that way the ball never goes in the gutter. And what does that mean when that happens? Like, like Ryan Day, fucking third base coach. <laughs> <laughs> third base. Starting Bo- on third born- base. Born on third base. Born on third base. But it, it's it. What's interesting to me too, Corey, is like it's just amazing how well it works. Like it worked. That's what's scary. It worked. Dude. It worked on me, and it I feel like works. I'm. It worked on us because we the the uh, the genie wasn't out of the bottle. You know what I mean? The sleight of hand wasn't revealed. Like when you see when you first like remember those old shows like like when it, like all we had was cable TV. And they would show this fucking immaculate fucking magic trick. And you're like, oh, the fuck did they do that? And then they would do that thing where they revealed how they did it. And you're like, oh, well, now I feel like an idiot. That's exactly so, what this is. I actually want to find one more spot of this piece because now that, now that you well, just We can do a part two up. on this, but if you want to, but. So, yeah. So, Terp, I, I don't want to misquote this. Um. Terp. But I like how they use yeah, her last she, name. It sounds like an insult. <laughs> Why does her last name sound like an insult? Fucking Terp. Fuck because it's really close to turf. <laughs> or twerp. Or twerp. She she 
She went on a podcast in 2019, and I'm trying to find her quotes in the piece from that podcast because they are so remarkably Orwellian. Uh, God. Oh, here we go. Terp's views of disinformation was overtly political. Quote, misinformation is actually true. This is this is Terp's quotes. Uh, misinformation is actually true. This is something she admitted uh, in a 2019 podcast. But, quote, but set in the wrong context. Well, yeah, yeah. So that's remember, we, we, we've actually talked about this on our show, Dan, if you remember, like when we were trying to distinguish between misinformation and disinformation. Misinformation mm. is more of a like inactive thing. It's just someone's misinformed. Mm. They might or they might say something out of context, trying to use it in context because they're just they're misinformed. And that is f- vastly different than disinformation, which is more of an explicit explicit act. But someone but is when trying to Ameri- explicitly when, put disinformation out there. When normies hear the word misinformation now, they convolute it with disinformation. And so what do they think that is? Lie. That someone's literally trying to lie to you. Lie. It's it's automatically conflated with being a lie. So Terp says Terp said in the in the 2019 podcast interview, most most misinformation is actually true but is set in the wrong context. So what she's Holy shit, I didn't even read that. I just said that. And then you just <coughs> That's that's what she said. That was her quote. So so what you're what you're saying is that we need to take truth off of the internet in order to protect out of context truth to protect the cookie cutter ideology that we want people to force feed or we want to force feed people so so um schellenberger's article goes on to say terp is an eloquent explainer of the strategy of using quote anti-disinformation efforts to conduct influence operations quote you're not trying to get people to believe lies most of the time most of the time, you're trying to change their belief sets. And in fact, really, uh, deeper than that, you're trying to change to shift their internal narratives, the set of stories that are the baseline for your culture. So that might be the baseline for, for your culture as an American. So let's just create a fabricated baseline based on what the government thinks it should be. Yes. So it's so it's like they're saying the quiet part out loud. Like yeah. they're saying what their strategy is to Or was the that misinformation, Dan? It's dude, it's a f- I know, the whole I'm world. Just- the whole world is a fucking but isn't that wild? That like that was actually open public information on a podcast from twenty nineteen. That she actually said that, and nobody fucking knew anything about it, including Matt Taibbi, including Michael Schellenberger, until they went digging into it. And I'm not shitting on those two guys because they're great journalists. No, because and they, went and they pre, actually dug it up pre-COVID. It wasn't like it was so like they were doing their job well, right? Let's let's say that like they were doing a pretty right. damn good job. It was subtle. It wasn't until COVID that everyone was like, "Well, wait a minute." How come as soon as I post something about this, all of a sudden it's getting a 
restriction or Dude, I'm going against guidelines or anything like it's, that. It's so and it made people start lifting rocks. It's so interesting you you bring that up because like one of the things that I was thinking in the entirety of reading this piece, which is very long, too long, did not. It's like read. How fucking long has this been going on? Um, no, like m- one of my thoughts was like in a in a convoluted, strange way. COVID was a blessing, man. Like the, the, the amount of things that it woke so many people up to and like just normies, like, cause I would like to think that prior to COVID I was a normie. How do you know I was a normie? I was the first person sitting on the fucking couch and I openly admit this and I will admit this until the day that I die because it's fucking true. I sat on the couch and I listened to everything Anthony Fauci had to say. I believe I'm bringing Bell in this because Bell, what did we do? What'd you guys do? We sat in the driveway six feet apart with a bonfire in the middle. Me and Bell both we drove our separate cars to the store just because, like, we're like, Well, I gotta go to the store. And he's like, I gotta go to the store. And we both went to the fucking grocery store and we both filled a shopping cart up of uh shit to like to stack our house up. Like me and him both had our houses stacked up for like three months of food. We yeah. all fell for it. Every like, there's nobody. There are very few people uh, out there. CITIL is coming the for Dan. About it is like the the people that didn't fall for it were the people that were considered. God damn it! Am I am I cutting out again? No, you're good now. You're good. You're good. Oh, now he's not tonight. I was not the the thing I remember really is I remember uh, me, you, and another fellow friend. It was like before it all started, we were like, we seen the writing on the wall and we're like, we should go shopping. And they knew we were talk about this shit tonight. (laughs) You know, know, Dan, I was actually going to make a joke that like you, the internet and your place is getting fucked up more when you're talking about Barry Sanders versus this. (laughs) Oh, no. Anyway, go ahead. But yeah, no, like I went through it. I bought an Ozonator. I'm going to go pee. I remember all this and just like we fell for it because I, rem- I, I remember hanging the receipt on my fridge because I was like, we're going to remember this and this is this is going to be a thing. And we spent it was like nine hundred thirty six dollars. Um, I don't remember how many stores we went to that night or whatever. But yeah, I spent like thirteen hundred. Yeah, like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, it was just like like on stuff that I'd never even eat like either. And it was just like. Like we have to have this because we have to have food. And I remember people yeah. fighting over a cantaloupe or so it was like a head of cabbage or a cantaloupe or something in Meyer. Yep. And people in there taking it more serious than us dressed in Tyvek suits. Yeah. And that was that like shit? before. Yeah. And Dude, it was like remember... before the lockdown, before all that. Yeah. It's oh when lo- the lockdown writing was on the wall. And like, yeah, I remember, I remember buying like eight months worth of like, baby formula because i had a five month old at home like all of these crazy fucking things dude we're going because but to be fair at that time the death rate was like 10 percent because only the really sick were getting tested and uh but yeah no i mean like i don't know how much like the narratives being pushed by social media it's just you need to take a pause. 
because there's articles coming out now that show more and more that whether it's for good or ill, there is propaganda being pushed by a hidden hand trying to do spend millions of dollars to make you personally feel a certain way. My point um, that I want to make real quick is, isn't it amazing how they will censor all the information that will give you actual information about a vaccine or anything about the government, but they will not censor information about that? About how just how everything happened, I guess. Well, it's history. Like, like, I don't know if you can really try to manipulate lived experiences, but the problem is they're trying to just like, it's basically like, I picture like, you know how, like when you're at a, like on a water ride and you're in that raft, like they have like the, the whitewater rapid, like roller coaster rides, whatever. And that raft, it's like you're in it and you're like, oh, which way is it going to go? And it's just bouncing back and forth, like within the lane. Like when I go pee. But no matter what you do, you're still going to take a directive path. Well, they they will never. The lane is only going to take you one way. Well, my point is they'll they'll never tell you to stop um, like going to the grocery store and buying out of fear. You know what I mean? Like, well, no, they want you to you go stop. to the big grocery store. They don't want you. They to want you to, but they want you to buy all that shit. They want you to spend all that money. It's good for them, but they will also because a lot of these people are on like government insurance and stuff. They'll never, I don't know, they'll never promote or the like. They're gonna blockade the information that you would need to see what's in the vaccine. Uh, it, or, yeah, they they promote. The information, yeah, to get not you saying the vaccine is to bad. go to the store not, to spend all your money, yeah, like right. Yeah. Not saying the vaccine is bad or anything, but it's just the the information that's shared is my point. Apparently, apparently, there's a new syndrome related to the COVID vaccine. I don't know how real this right. is. Put on the tinfoil hats. Tell me about it, Dan. I haven't looked into it. Uh, Jimmy Dore <laughs> talked about it on his uh, on his latest episode, so you can go check it out there. Boy, am I glad I'm a pure blood finished with us you're fucked man. um yeah i recommend anybody who's on substack you know if you follow taibi you follow racket you follow uh public go check out this piece like re- like read it for yourself it, honestly it's you know it, it really is too long did not read kind of material that, but that, it, and it, i also want to say that me calling myself a pure blood is more of a joke at no, the time not, like now it, now it's a- easy to say like you know like oh like it seems like the net. The, is it the, sad? Uh, you got to point it out. <laughs> no, but for some of my age, like whether or not you get the vaccine is negligible, but I'm not pretending that I had some weird stance to do it that way. The reason no, you were I planning did, on getting it, you were planning on getting it. I was I talking, about, talking about, about it. Yeah. This. But yes. the reason I never did it was because I was donating blood plasma at the time and blood and plasma. Semen. Yeah. Not semen. That that was wasting it, just throwing it down the drain, uh, <laughs> throw throwing it into your wife's snatch. How terrible of you! <laughs> um, but no, like honestly, the reason why I didn't get the vaccine at the time it wasn't with some weird like platform or stance I was standing on. I was donating blood plasma because I had the COVID at one point and I survived it, 
and they were using the plasma to give transfusions to people that didn't have COVID because that was a proven, uh, a proven therapy that would help people heal. Plus I was getting 60 bucks each, each, each fucking time. And if you got the vaccine, you couldn't donate blood plasma. And you couldn't donate plasma for six months if you got a vaccine because you had a needle injected in your skin just like a tattoo or anything like that. And so I personally... I personally... Now, this is the podium that I will stand on that makes me feel like I'm a better person than all of you guys. Was I purposely didn't get the vaccine... Go ahead and play the Benny Hill music while I was saving fucking lives, Dan. <laughs> I didn't get the vaccine. Or so he says. My old man, my old man almost died from COVID, but yeah. he got a blood transfusion through blood plasma. The blood plasma. Thank uh, God, because if if I can't think of Denny Walsh tapping his toe to CCR every time they come on, I I wouldn't feel right about myself. <sighs> if I didn't have Denny Walsh sitting here eating all my Pringles. <laughs> Down on the corner. Uh, but yeah, no, and I got like it for real. Like I was like, hey, I'm making 120 bucks. I already had COVID. My blood plasma is helping people. I saw that as a net gain versus me just getting a vaccine. That's why I didn't get it. And then as as the media kept saying, if you get the vaccine, you won't get COVID and you won't pass it on other people. And then everyone who's getting the vaccine was getting COVID and passing so, it on ex- to other people. So, I was like, well, I guess it, it doesn't. So, Corey, ex post facto, by giving pl- blood plasma and saving people with your blood plasma, you were a murderer. No, I was doing better than all you guys who were getting the vaccine. No, 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 no. no. You have to go with you have to go with the narrative. From oh, the I time. have to go with the CTIL narrative. Yeah, the narrative at the time would have been. Your blood plasma is fucking worthless. You have to get vaccinated or you're a murderer. Yeah, there was some I wasn't I wouldn't say as far as murderer, but I had people saying <laughs> just get the vaccine, man. What's the big just deal? Get it. Big yeah, deal just man. get it. And I would say no, I'm saving more lives not getting it than I am getting it. And they'd be like, "Yeah, but just get the vaccine." <laughs> just do it, man. Just get it, man. <laughs> dude, I swear I had these conversations and I'm like, "Dude, no, because if I do that, I know I already had COVID. If I get the vaccine, I can't give the blood plasma that I told the plasma place that I had COVID that they're using to help people so who don't you're like, have COVID. like you're like you're like you're like Joe Rogan arguing with Sanjay Gupta. I felt like someone was telling me a bad joke the entire time. Like, just do it, man. Just get it. <laughs> just get it, man. You get it, man. It's we're gonna, good, we're gonna man. have to. We're gonna have to pull up uh, the footage of Dan from one of our earliest episodes of him holding up his vaccine card. <laughs> did I do that? <laughs> yeah. Did I really do that? I, I yeah. believe I did it. I believe I did it. <laughs> I think you're making even... a joke out of it, but you actually like oh. showed it. Oh, okay. Because I don't, I don't, I don't even know where the fuck that thing is. I think I threw it away a long time ago. Like when I still could have used it for things, I think I threw it away before that. It doesn't matter. Anyway, God, it was like show me your papers type shit, dude. That was insane. The 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 yeah the fucking the bottom, nerd. Line, the bottom line is we have actual Aurelian shit going on here. This isn't like 
hyperbolic. This isn't like, oh, you're you're a conspiracy theorist. Like this is real stuff. Because I, what I really find interesting, right, is like I actually was thinking about this earlier today. You have a lot of folks that talk about Eisenhower, right, and like his speech about the military industrial complex as he was leaving the presidency, right? We're familiar with that very famous speech, right, Corey? Yes. Bell, we're all familiar with this speech. Um, and you have a lot of people that still quote that speech today and talk about, you know, um, American hegemony and how Eisenhower warned against this in that speech. And I kind of look at what Schellenberger and Taibbi are doing here. And I'm, I really think there's a genuine comparison. Right. Like, isn't that crazy? Like, let's, let's, let me, let me, let me uh, expound on that. Like uh, the idea that everyone basically now at this point in 2023, Republican or Democrat is willing to admit that there's a military industrial complex, but to think that there's a pharmaceutical industrial complex or an information industrial complex or any of these other type of things that are like spending all this money to drive a narrative one way or the other is just like conspiracy. Yeah, no, like there's people that are going to hear this and think we're fucking idiots. That's fine. I don't care. Like, I don't really, I don't, I don't, I don't really give a shit. The fact of the matter is like the censorship industrial complex. I understand that the, the, the uh, piece from Schellenberger and Taibbi is relatively new. We all have to take a little time to digest what's actually going on here. But it appears that the censorship industrial complex is a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing to drive narratives. It's a thing to get power driven to a certain direction what we don't know yet and i think that's what always makes it difficult is like what's the end game like who because we all want to believe that there's like this nefarious i mean this is like the alex jones thing right the belief that there's like this nefarious cabal of like either a couple of people or one person or a group of people at the top that are like driving this stuff i don't think we know what that is yet I think a lot of it is probably um, – I really don't know. I really don't know because I, I, I don't think it's just like as simple as like there's just like a few people at the top of the world that are going, we have to do this for this reason. It's probably more nuanced and complex than that, but that doesn't mean it's not happening. Does that make sense? Am I drunk enough for – am I not drunk enough for that to make sense? You're making sense to me, but I'm also drunk, so – Okay, so that's weird. I really hope people listen to our podcast drunk. Can I just recommend that? Can I recommend that now? From now Take on. a drink. Don't drive. Sit there. Sit there. Yes. Sit by, sit by a nice fire and drink a heavy bourbon. Don't play with your phone. Make like a rubber band ball or do a puzzle. Nope. And listen Don't to the play podcast. with your willy either. I honestly, I would find that as one of the biggest forms of flattery. If some man was playing with his willy while listening to my voice. You want guys to jerk off to you. That is so adorable. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah. Like, like, can you imagine if I could say to my friends, like, dude, there's thousands of guys jerking off to my voice. (laughs) 
talking about should we, politics. Should, should we just do this show on OnlyFans from now on? We can do it nude. I don't care. Nobody can see we, Well, we could just do shirtless and say we're nude. No one would know. No, I'd, I'd actually, I'd have to be nude. We'd, it would have to be authentic. Well, I wasn't going to say I was, but I would have been nude the whole time, too. <laughs> oh, for God. That might actually get us more money, but then we'd just be looked at like pieces of meat. Now I realize when we have like seven listeners. We could just live stream to Pornhub. Could. You know what? I'm on vacation next week. I'm going to look into this. We should. Or what's a, what's a uh, what's a live streaming uh what's like a webcam live streaming site? Can we like do a can we do a uh, like a, a profile on Grinder? Corey, can I just say if any of us would have answered those questions or that question that you just asked, I would question you. Like, are what? you just are we are you just like, what if anyone knew an answer to like a live stream? Yeah, like I mean, like besides like OnlyFans, like besides OnlyFans, like what I'm if, gonna what if right Dan now. just came in and was like w- dropped like seven subs? He's like, oh yeah, chat roulette. Yeah, like we're just like seven. <laughs> like, oh yeah, we got these ones, you know. Like, or what if I came in and was just like, we got seven. We could do this one. This like, would you guys not question me? So a little bit. I, I googled webcam porn live stream. We got uh livejasmine.com, jerkmates.net. <laughs> Cams.com, oh, chatterbait.com. Chatterbait sounds fun. Just the name. It's like a chat roulette kind of thing. Does the it porn really dude. come to that? Does it really come to that? Has our, has our podcast become such a failure? <laughs> no, but like, yep. can you imagine? Like, we wouldn't know that, like, if like if our podcast was successful on one of these websites, and like, say we're getting like a, a thousand streamers watching. 80% probably 90 would have their dick in their hand going what the fuck is this like 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 all of our all of our all of our money chat comments would be like oh rub your nipples and tell me about why Reagan was great <laughs> I don't know it might be a new marketing ploy we we should try it yes no that's a market that has not been exploited to this point right like political like guys that love political politics, porn but are but are also perverts like Oh, rub your rub rub your schlong and tell me about how much Jimmy Carter was a piece of shit. Like <laughs> I could dude, I could pantomime and sit here and just go like this the whole time. And they no, would just I think would, I'm <laughs> Yeah. I'm gonna honestly I'm gonna I'm gonna be authentic. I'm just gonna show it. I'm just gonna show <laughs> just gonna show my grundle. Just gonna show my grundle. I'm gonna make sure it's well oiled. They would see me like this the whole time, like covering your half of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and you're doing that, and I'm like, the CTIL is the deep state is here actually literally creating propaganda. Like it's like, man, these guys are gay. Like, actually, we're both married men. <laughs> <laughs> we're just married men in the free market trying to make a buck. Let's, oh man! Oh have, God! Rub your nipples and tell me about Ayn Rand. We got two more topics, but I think we'll save them for next week, right? We're Should an hour we and a half in. Trump being Hitler. Yeah. Just get that, after that, this. Let's get after this one. Let's get after this one. Okay. <laughs> Trump is worse than Hitler, says Claire McCaskill. Yeah, you you start setting that up. I'm gonna get this uh, screen shared. 
So Claire McCaskill, what was she? She she's like a pundit. Hold on, I actually have her fucking bio because I was smart enough to pull this up uh, prior to the show. Claire McCaskill, for those who don't know, uh, born January. I'm sorry, July 24th, 1953, is an American former politician who had dis, a distinguished distinguished clear. Ah, God, I can't talk. Distinguished career in public <clears throat> service. She was uh, part of the Missouri House of Representatives. Uh, Jackson County Prosecutor, a 34th State Auditor of Missouri, if that matters, and United States Senator from Missouri from 2007 to 2019. And uh, she is now essentially a political pundit for MSNBC and NBC. And while Corey and I, and I think Bell is included in this as well, none of the three of us are huge fans of Donald Trump. When you sit there and you try to tell me that he's worse than Adolf Hitler, and then you have reasons behind it that suggest he's better. Here we go. Let's let Claire tell you. A lot of people have tried to draw similarities between Mussolini and Hitler and the use of the terminology like vermin and the, the, the drive that those men had towards autocracy and and dictatorship. The difference, though, I think makes Donald Trump even more dangerous, and that is he has no philosophy he believes in. He is not trying to expand the boundaries of the United States of America. He's not trying to overcome a neighboring country like Putin is in Ukraine. He is not going for some grandiose scheme of international dominance. All he wants is to look in the mirror and see a guy who's president. Huh? What? We just have Hillary. What? Pull this down. That's it. Uh, That's um, it. So let me get this straight, Claire, because I had a seizure halfway through that little speech. Uh, you're telling me that because Donald Trump doesn't have an ideology. Because he's not an actual dictator or an authoritarianism on a and global scale. Just, and just wants to look in the mirror and see a guy who's president, which is shitty. Like, but he's he's a narcissist. We all know this. He's a narcissistic yeah, fuck. Anyone whatever. who's ever president has a tinge of narcissism. Somehow that makes him more dangerous than Hitler or Mussolini. So Hitler, a, a man who created a fascist government based on racial hierarchy killed about a hundred million people through all the wars and the Holocaust and, and wanted to take over the world somehow Donald Trump, because he doesn't have that ideology because he wants to jack off in a mirror, essentially is more dangerous than Adolf Hitler. Cause he wants to look in the mirror and go like this, like you're the president. <laughs> You're the president. You who's the president? You're the president. You are. The president? You are. You're the president. That that's what that's that's more dangerous than a guy who wants to wipe out an entire race of humans. Or actually, I shouldn't even say that multiple races of human beings. Yeah, because they didn't like handicapped people either. Makes I'm not saying that handicapped people are a race, but yeah, like he 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 didn't like disabled people, didn't like any anybody with any sort of melanin melanin in their skin, didn't like the Slavs. They were untamench. For those who don't remember what that means, 
uh, under people essentially is the direct translation. These are words that, but because uh, Donald Trump just happened to use the word vermin a, a couple times in a speech referring to rats in government, not a race, not a race of people. God, I'm sitting here defending Donald Trump. Is that what this just sounds like right now? You're are you you're muted, Corey. How'd you get muted? I muted myself because I was coughing. But here's the <laughs> thing, Dan. There are 170,000 words in the English language. What okay. does vermin mean? Vermin supreme or no? <laughs> uh, there are 170,000 words in the English language that you could articulate <coughs> <coughs> that you could articulate. Just how shitty of a person Trump is, but to dilute what actual evil is, to just try to equate that to Trump is sheer laziness. It's lazy. It's very lazy. And all we're doing is making evil people look less evil because if someone who doesn't know who Hitler is and they look at Trump and they go, well, he's like Trump. And it's like, well, I guess Trump, I guess Hitler wasn't that bad. It's you know it's it's so it's so interesting, Corey. I'm glad you brought that up. And here's I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I look no, at somebody you're, like you're good, man. I look at somebody like Claire McCaskill, and I go, "This is this is this is a United States senator for twelve years in Missouri," and I go, "I'm somebody who's always been kind of fascinated by particularly dark history." I've always been fascinated by Hitler's reign. I've always been fascinated by Nazi, like like the, the Nazi reign of Germany, not because I support it, but because I go, this is such a dark time in history. Like, I, how did this happen? I would, re I'm really fascinated to understand how this happened. So I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm like a Hitler expert or I'm a Nazi expert or I'm a third Reich expert. But I would say that I'm sort of like a quasi uh, layman's expert in these things. I know these things pretty well. I think most than like better than normal people. And I look at somebody like Claire McCaskill and I don't think she knows the fucking first thing about the Third Reich. I don't think she knows the first thing about Nazism. Right, because if you truly knew that, you would realize that Hitler. Trump isn't that. Trump is a He's narcissist. Not that. He's a self-serving piece of shit. He doesn't give a shit about you or well, I. And, and not just that, Corey, but anybody who throws out like the term fascist is so fucking overused. It's just it's just a term. It, it's, that doesn't, it's taken away the meaning of it. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Like 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 if I went to just anybody on the street. In fact, maybe we should try this experiment here, Corey. We'll, we'll go we'll go out to one of these downtown areas here in Michigan. We'll ask people defi to define fascism for us. Ooh, that'd be interesting to go to like Royal Oak and then Ferndale and then like Rochester. Because here's the thing. I'm going to make a prediction right now ahead of time. They don't know what the fuck fascism is. If you had to define fascism, fascism is a system of government that, that centralizes that, that centralizes power based on racial hierarchy. That is what fascism is. I would even make so, it simpler than that. It's just, I mean, I know, like, I don't know what the, the exact Oxford dictionary language is, but it's just like a centralized power 
oppressing the people. You have, I'll tell you, you have two cows. I'm the government. You have two cows. I take those cows and sell you the milk. That's fascism. Yeah. And the, 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 any, any, anybody who uses the term fascist in a disparaging way to talk about anybody, Trump or whomever, they don't have any idea what the fuck fascism actually means. They have no clue. It's yeah. frustrating. And Claire McCaskill, who is somebody who's supposed to be a respected United States senator, wants to say that Donald Trump is worse than Adolf Hitler. Right. Like that, like that, that's what I'm getting at. It's like we know what, like, all you have to do is Google the term fascism, and you know what the dictionary says it is because it's been saying that for hundreds of years. And there's a hundred and sixty-nine or a hundred. 69,999 other words you could use to describe how much of a piece of shit as Trump is. Stop bending the definition of words and diluting what they mean just to have some sort of weird little punch to show how much you hate someone. Because you don't like him and you don't want him to be president, which actually kind of ties back into the CTIL files in the first place. Like, why, why is this happening? Because yeah. there's this person that we don't like that has power. I don't like him. Corey doesn't like him. Bell doesn't like him, but we don't like him for actual tangible reasons. Like not 50 years from now, Trump's just going to be looked at. Oh, he's just a shitty president. This is not going to be the, the vitriol that we see in our day-to-day -day interactions. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to be looked at as like, a shitty president for who put a six trillion dollars in debt and created help helped uh, promulgate inflation. He's he's basically he's basically going to be looked at as a shitty president for the exact opposite reason. That but Jimmy almost Carter, won a Nobel Peace Prize for bringing peace to North and South Korea. Oh, can't almost give him a Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, but he's going to be looked at as a shitty president for almost the exact opposite reason that Jimmy Carter is looked at for being a shitty president. Mm -hmm. I look at Jimmy Carter as a shitty president in 2023 because he was just actually too good of a person for the job. He's just a good dude. Like he was a shitty president. I'm not defending his presidency. He did. He did a bad job, but he did a bad job because he's a good, he did person. a bad job with a smile. Exactly. <laughs> Donald Trump did a bad job because he's a, bad person and he, like he's just a bad person yeah. being a bad person doesn't make him a fucking fascist doesn't make him hitler he's just an asshole like, being a narcissist like, doesn't make you hitler yes that is that is it at the end of the day he's like donald trump is just an asshole he's an average everyday run-of-the-mill asshole that's that it should, that should be a podcast name Run-of-the-mill Average asshole. assholes. <laughs> Run-of-the-mill assholes. But that's it, right? Like, that's all Donald Trump is. He's just an asshole. That doesn't make him... That doesn't make him benevolently evil. It doesn't put him on par with Hitler. It doesn't he, put him on par with Mussolini or Pol Pot. Wait, He's hey, just Dan, a regular asshole. Go for it. Did Bell put his hat on the chair? Or is he... He fell asleep. <laughs> Bell, let's get him in here and then we'll end the show. Donald Trump. Boys, I'm drunk. I'm not even going to let you know. 
Mussolini, <laughs> Mu- Mussolini, Mussolini slash Hitler or just regular asshole? Yeah, wait, wait. Donald Trump, Mussolini, Hitler. Who's the best and who's the worst? <laughs> mean tweets. Six million to eight million to Jews. Uh, and he tweets. Trump, You're right? The mean tweets. It's, yeah, I'll go with the mean tweets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Corey, tell the people where they can find us. God, this was, I don't know what happened to this show. Live started podcast is found on all social media and podcast platforms. Our website is Instagram. Our website is libsertiveshow.com. We can be found at Libsertive on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Instagram and Twitter at libsertivepod. Our TikTok videos can be found at Libservative Podcast, and you can reach out directly at libservativepod at gmail.com. Subscribe today, because for real, subscribe. <laughs> if you listen to the show, tell a friend about it. They give you guys something to talk about versus, it's, I don't know, whatever. You have an open mind. Check out. Check out Schellenberger's CTIL files. Uh, Corey and I are going to dive into the latest article uh, from earlier today uh, about officials uh, seeking to censor narratives and interfere with the 2020 election. Um, I feel about election interference. It's just a thing that happens. It's always happened. So just reading the headline, I'm not exactly going to get my balls in a tizzy but i'll check it out i trust schellenberger i trust taibi we'll take a look maybe we'll, we'll we'll revisit that next week Corey, that's your homework assignment check this out uh, oh, i have so much homework ah, you, well you should have quit school like a normal american uh anyway no a normal american puts himself in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt I should I should have said a good American. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> For Bell the Body Snatcher on the ones and twos, he as always has been Corey Walsh. He's Dan Griffin. This has been Libservative. And until next time, we are out of here. Peace. We the people cannot turn back.